Reporting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. We are back with our friend and architect, business owner, and CEO, of course, of his own company, Tom Riggio, joining us here once again. We're excited to have him here uh, from a touch in New Jersey, but he's worldwide uh, with his work. And the website itself, we can reach him at J-O-H-N-R-I-G-G-I-O.com. Welcome back today. How are you? Good. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm doing well. Pleasure to have you back. A great smile. Uh, I know I haven't spoken to you in a little bit. You've been speaking with Steve as well. So for new listeners just tuning in today, just tell us about you and your company to start. And then I know we're going to get into some personal stuff I'm learning about you. (laughs) Yes. My company is John Reggio, RA Architect, LLC. I'm located here in Matachin, New Jersey. And I'm an architect that works... uh, in the New York metropolitan area, that is uh, New York City, New Jersey, central New Jersey, and um, including the um, north and other areas of New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Mm, Wonderful. Well, we are excited to have you here, and we've had some great conversations in the past about all the work you do from residential to commercial and so on and so forth. What did you have in mind for us today? Well, I think uh, I've had some previous shows, and I started to talk about my tennis career. Because what happened is my architect work was really connected with my career playing tennis when I was young. Because architect work was flexible as far as you can have your own business. You could arrange your schedule to work with architect work. And um, from that is... uh, how I really got into architect architecture, went to architect school, and I think during this time from like uh, when I was graduating high school, there was all these decisions on going into a certain job. I think uh, some considerations I had at the time were also going into a career in computers, because that was a new industry at that time. Another one was going into the uh, aviation flying airplanes or helping support uh, the aviation industry. And that was another thing that I was getting into. But really the architect career, which I think um, I had described before, I had a lot of backing, a lot of experience with classes. And it looked like I could excel as an architect and I could work for myself. And I think from asking around in the tennis um group the top pros a number of people were aware of architecture and people who play tennis and they are also architects on the side i think a few of the players that i did play they they were architects i remember one uh, player who had a pretty good high ranking of 1000 he um has uh, his own office in new york city also he he was already an architect at the time and uh, he, he, he does do that architect work. And he, I think uh, he was saying that it was pretty good with his schedule, that he was able mm-hmm. to arrange time for him and things like that. Oh, uh, I think I, I know some other people who, who, who won some pretty nice uh, um, tournaments and really even from the U.S. and different locations in Europe, things like that. Uh, I, I know uh, a few people were, were into things that are similar to architect work as far as things that would involve drafting and things like that. So they, there was some backing with that. I think this, this whole thing with working as an architect and also playing pro sports was a, a new trend at the time. And I think this came about because of problems that had existed Probably in previous generations, I think it, it came to something where a lot of times people who play pro tennis, they might not really have the ability to really get that much earnings. And I, I said some numbers. Some people end up maybe not getting any money for real. Some people might get only uh, $16,000 a year was some other numbers. Another factor was also a lot of people had to put a lot of money into playing tennis, which I can get into later. Their families had to pay a lot of money for them to to play pro tennis. 
And uh, that playing Pro 10 is putting a lot of money into it and then trying to get more money back end up making it where they really didn't make money. They really might have lost money because they had to invest so much into playing. So that is another factor that was taking place. But I think this uh, playing tennis, playing pro sports, and going to school and having a job on the side is probably because of problems that took place when they, they really didn't have any money. Some people might have ended up homeless, too. I heard stories of people not really having any place to live. I think while I was playing tennis, um, there were some instances that, that people could end up uh, going homeless, not having a place really to, 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 to live, to sleep, and it started to become a problem. And but I think it might have even been worse in previous generations because so this whole thing with going to college and getting a good career to make some money on the side seems to have been something that was growing. A lot of people agreed with the idea, and this always made it where you had some money in your pocket. I think I think over the years I'm older now. I think there there is one problem that maybe we have to get sorted out is when you get involved with working. Uh, and any kind of trade, particularly construction, but any kind of trade, once you enter into the world of, of the trade, they have their own um, kind of uh, of way of, of where you are involved with, mm-hmm. with that profession, with that trade, mm-hmm. and they keep you busy with work. Wow. So if you're busy working in the trade and you prove to be a good good at the trade, it fits you, you can form it, it's good work, and and uh, you can get uh, good work, uh, and they'll keep you busy with the work, you can get, you can be busy working in your, in your trade or profession, and I think that is one problem that is conflicting with pro tennis, because uh, I think at the they don't really say it out loud too much, but if you expose yourself that you are doing something else as a professional, it can become a problem as far as, especially when you're starting off maybe in college, come a problem of like who who is more important. Is is your architecture profession more important or is pro tennis more important? I, I think given, given from some older, I've talked to a lot of people, I think pro tennis was really very high. I mean, I was... My contract was very high. I talked on some other shows. I'll have to explain it. But my contract was very high with some big entertainers. Entertainers that are really big around the world and big in the U.S. And uh, so I think that is somewhat really, really big, really important thing. And um, architect work, I think uh, the idea of going to college, it is important, I and mean, it, is, it is a good profession, it is important, I think, talking to people in different uh, types of work, they, a lot of people always wanted to become an architect, and uh, it has a, has a good um, center when you, when you are working as an architect, that you are, you are sort of um, directing something on your own, and uh, a lot of people like that idea, so, but I think compared as far as like the superstar entertainment world, I don't know if architect work is is really as large as the superstar uh, entertainment world. So that is one problem. Like you know, maybe a lot of people, like in any trade that you were working, you have a side job, and like one, you think one is better than the other. You think maybe they're you're taking advantage of a trade, you know, or you know, using using you know, like uh, your work as like what they call like a stepping stone, or things like that. You know, so as far as I think about, it, I don't think there should be a conflict. I I don't really think about it like that, but uh, I was always wondering as I got into it. So the idea that they have of people going to school and making some money, I think, is the number one important thing. Then the next problem comes in with um, is your side work gonna interfere with your your superstar work your pro tennis work and uh i think that is one thing about it 
I think I, I think talking to some top pros, they say things like they wanted to maybe add on some things about tennis to make sure players stay in pro tennis. Like in architect working professions, any kind of trade you they have, you have to get your education, you have to get your certificates, then you have to do things like continuing education, you have to maintain your license. So all those things keep people busy, keeps people studying, keep people working. And I think some of those type of things, some people had new ideas of, of maybe adding something like that to pro sports to keep people in the pro sports, and that it wouldn't just go away. And um, so I think with, as far as that was concerned, I think at the, uh, I have to just jump ahead, but I think at the, at some point, like when I was approaching like 30 years old, I think the tennis was very calm as far as what was going every day for myself. But the architect professional work was really getting going. My own office, busy from morning to night and things like that. And so that really was taking a lot of my time. And um, so th that was very interesting. And and uh, that is what was happening really was also I was sort of just sort of starting to forget about a little bit of the tennis. Some people I was meeting as far as socially, I was meeting a new set of people at that time that was really like uh, people who might be involved with entertainment, but they really didn't think too much about tennis, about me playing tennis. They might not have recognized me playing tennis. I might not have said anything about it. And that so that was a whole new chapter that was happening. And this one thing that was interesting at that at that time is that that is like uh, the years I started to get married and so the the thing with the tennis the pro tennis wasn't really being talked about that much it started to slowly come back again uh, started to come back again uh, it started to come back again as far as something I would talk about with my family and uh, things like that but there was a few years in there that was a little low and no one really knew about it but I was still meeting all kinds of people who were really in entertainment and I think uh, every once in a while I think some people might have recognized the you know why I was with people who were high entertainment it was because of those tennis years and so the the whole thing with tennis was very dormant at that time around when I was like 30 years old it slowly started to come back again and I, I think I remember at that time I was uh, some there were some girlfriends I I was with I remember one girlfriend was really uh, big in entertainment and she is really like um, a production film company called Shan Productions I think they they do all kinds of uh, adult entertainment movies. And because I remember seeing the, that on the television screen, her the name. So I think um, that is really was interesting. But that, that was the years when I wasn't really talking about tennis. I and mean, that was so I was still with the group of people, which is very interesting. And then slowly when I got married um, to to my wife, uh, 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 Hujun Wang, was Ann Wang, and she. Um, very interesting had a cousin that was really the same similar to like a pro tennis player in china i don't think they really had pro sports at the time in china and um so i think that also started to bring back more things because when i visited china and her her family it turns out her cousin knew my whole career and had my player card and she showed me my player card and, is it, and it was interesting because my player card when I was younger, my hair used to look a little blonde. It was a little, <laughs> like, a little blonde on, on the card. So that was just another thing that really started to bring my memory back. And I played some tennis with uh, her cousin. Wow. So when I visited there, I played in the wintertime and I played in the summertime. In the wintertime, we played indoors. And in the summertime, I played on her outdoor court. So she was an excellent player when she was younger. And that, that really helped bring back some memories at that time. And it slowly progressed to where I, I really started to remember, remember what was going on, made a little web page about my memories and expanded upon it. And um, 
I know I've been talking about it on some podcasts, and it's it's pretty good. Uh, I'm happy about it. I, the career was is was very uh, long in some ways, and um, I had to put together all the different chapters of my tennis playing. So I think that is what was very interesting. But I think what happened was was just going back to this original idea is that the idea of people getting uh, like a side career to keep get some money and and then uh, still continue to have their entertainment career or pro sport career you know going at the same time is was very interesting and I think maybe they're maybe they can make some improvements to it. I always wondered if if my uh, professional career was interfering at all, stopping anything about my pro career. Because now that they always talk about it, I, I was really wondering if there were any stops starting to get created. Like, they need me to do more work, they need me to do more work, but maybe I needed to, you know, take a few more hours uh, involving myself with my pro career. And um, so I think also, like, when I was a little older in my career, I was doing things like making appearances signing autographs, things like that. So some very simple things like that. And I think there are more things like that that can... Uh, I was wondering if that was my pro career and or my professional career. My professional career as an architect was interfering at all. That's one thing I always wondered about. I was looking at some um, training CDs I have that are really like within the industry. And I was noticing on there that the uh, the tennis player was saying the same thing about how a lot of kids, they are encouraging them to go to college and get a career that might not have anything to do with sports. And so they could have a career with solid money, knowing they're making money somewhere else. And they don't have all those little pressures of going homeless uh, and things like that. And any kind of other problem can can start. And they already have years of experience of uh, problems that were taking place with athletes. I wasn't told all of them, but I, I started to get the idea that there were problems like that. And I think one problem that I was just going to talk about was, one of them was the, the paying for matches. Now, one thing, I was such an excellent player, I never had to pay for a tennis match. Since I was sponsored when I was young, um, my sponsors always paid for everything. And some of the matches were uh, $20,000 per match. I think if you watch tennis on television, they don't say what's going on with the price of the matches. But usually to pay to play as a top pro, the sponsors are really paying like $20,000 per match. And then, uh, of course, if you're a successful tennis player winning matches, they're going to make so much more money back on you that the $20,000 is just a few dollars to pay for them. So it is that it was one factor. And I think this happened one time when I once um, had a problem with one of my matches. They told me I was going to have a match at a certain time. And when the, the, the match didn't take place, I had to go and, and talk to somebody in the tennis center. And I went there and I talked to someone in the tennis center and I told them I have a match scheduled at a certain time on this uh, court. And they look and they tell me, uh, okay, so to play the match, you have to give me a check for $20,000. And I said, I don't, I don't, you know, I had to start to describe my tennis, who I was. And they say, oh, okay, you're exempted from the $20,000. At that time, since since I was such an excellent player, the $20,000 fee, even my sponsors didn't have to pay it because I was such an excellent player. They, they made it where that match was for free. So this was already happening, too, in a lot of my games. Since I was a top player, I was winning. I didn't have to pay the 20000 But at that time, they looked at me as an ordinary player, and they said they need a check for $20,000. So this is, this is like a typical price for a top match. That this is this is a number that they they told me about many times that twenty thousand dollars was getting paid per match. A lot of uh, players were paying the money, and I think one big thing that I found out about is that the players they um, really 
some of them didn't really have a sponsor that could pay the money. They had to get the money from their parents. And this is when this whole thing was starting, um, really starting to realize what was going on, that they were really getting the money and, and writing a check for $20,000 per match to continue to play tennis to really try to make it in the pros. And then hopefully at some time if they win enough matches, they can get picked up by a sponsor and maybe they don't have to pay the money anymore. But some uh, players did have to rely on their parents to pay these kind of matches to get into it. And uh, I think some low matches, I heard some numbers, it only cost $1,500 to, to play in the tournament. But really to play the top pro matches, they're really much more expensive. They're, at the time, it was $20,000 was really the wow. going number. And... Uh, so that so that was interesting, and um, I think from talking to the players, uh, a lot of them didn't mind paying the money as long as they're really going to pay a, a top pro match. It was involving themselves with the the pro tennis. There's a chance for them to continue to to win more games and and maybe get a sponsor. It was it was worth it for them, but um, that, that's pretty big money for you know, the for them to pay and have their parents pay that kind of money. It's really that that kind of fee of twenty thousand dollars is really more for like big sponsors. I remember at, uh starting off I had Prince Rocket Company was covering all those entry costs. It was really they were really the the front company that was, was doing that whole thing. There were other investors and sponsors involved, but I remember at that time it was there was Prince Record was covering all those numbers, and uh, then uh, they used to tell me that they really did win really big off me. At certain times, they would, uh, I think, as far as just basic numbers, wow. they would win win numbers maybe five hundred thousand dollars or more per tournament. You know, that's so uh, that is uh, some big numbers. So sixty twenty thousand dollars isn't too much. For that kind of big numbers and that that's that's so that was what was happening and uh yeah so this whole thing with um playing tennis and having some money i think if you made money on the side i don't think it's going to total twenty thousand dollars a match to you can even pay the the idea of working on the side was really to pay your basic expenses the idea was that you can have a place to live, you pay all of your food and, and travel costs and everything like that. The uh, money that to play matches at that age, I think, could only really come from either your sponsor mm -hmm. or your parents it could pay that kind of money. And, and that's what happens. Wow. And I think, I think there, is, there is some things with, with that money transfer, particularly coming through the parents, I think for some players it could it could build up a lot of uh, a lot of problems could could arise from that. There could be some angry players uh, and things like that. And uh, even if they pay the money, if they lose the matches, they gotta ask them to to leave, not play anymore, and they're gonna get angry and things like that. So that that was another thing that could start to happen. interesting life and stories i mean you know i know you as john or joe the architect and now i'm learning about you the person and wow great stories yes do you do you frequent the open when it comes here <laughs> um oh uh, yeah yeah uh, in queens the, the at, in flushing open? right at the stadium yeah well i think one thing about the u.s open and like going to see it is would you believe they have a philosophy in tennis that a lot of the, the people that are going there are really like um, family and friends of the tennis players. A lot of people feel that the people watching are family or friends, which is interesting. So I think a lot of times people would fill up some bleachers and things like that. And and that is, that is sort of how a lot of the pros think. Interesting. Wow. Whole nother career you got. Yes. <laughs> but, but back up just to, to what did you start playing tennis well I first was sponsored to play tennis when I was nine years old oh my gosh yes and this happened because I really wanted this Prince tennis racket that was very popular at the time it was this big round racket and all the kids were buying it in 
school where I was, so I wanted to get this kind of racket. And I asked my mother to go buy one. So she looked all around to some of the local stores, and she couldn't find it. So she ended up going to this pro shop in Hicksville, Long Island, and uh, it's owned by Patrick Mulroney. And she bought this racket. But the, what happened was the first day I got the racket, I, I started to play with it, and I twisted the whole frame of the racket, completely <laughs> twisted. Because I was able to hit the ball so hard that the, the whole frame twisted. Oh, my and goodness. she brought it back. Yes, yeah, so she brought it back, and, and what happened was so unbelievable. He looked at the bent rack, and he could tell in two seconds that I could become a pro tennis player. And he sponsored me, uh, gave me some tennis rackets with a tennis bag. So my mother came back, and she had a tennis bag with some tennis rackets in it. And told me that I could, the whole story about how um, the pro shop thinks I could really become a pro tennis player. And told me to keep the rackets and start learning how to play. And ever since that time, I slowly progressed. And I was able to really play excellent like they thought. I think at the time when, when that was happening, I started to play. I think they knew that I would make it at minimum in the top ten of pros. They didn't know if I could make it to number one or not. And that, so they knew that I was going to really become a top tennis player. My my tennis shop was really the same sponsor for John McEnroe. Wow. So the previous pro player that he had there was really John McEnroe. And, and he could tell that I was going to become a big star player. And I didn't go through my whole history of playing, but I did make number one in the uh, pro tennis in the ATP. And I was... So I did become a great success for him. So it was really good. So that's what happened. Amazing. Wow, you have such great stories. All right, we're almost out of time. we got to take a commercial break. Let's do this. Tell us uh, how we can reach you. Yes, uh, as far as my architect profession, I have a website. It's www.johnregio.com. And there you'll find a description of my architecture, my um, portfolio, my contact information, you can send me an email or call me on the telephone. And as far as the, the tennis history, you can go on to my Facebook page. It's called John Riggio Pro Tennis Player. And uh, I have all kinds of pictures there. I have a link to a webpage that lists a lot of my tennis history and has my videos from the podcasts. Awesome. And now one thing about the podcast, the podcasts have all kinds of things about celebrity names, things like that, my personal history that I don't have written down on the, my list. So my list is just basically showing some pictures, some tournaments, things like that. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, let's do this. We'll take our quick break. And when we return, we'll obviously talk more about the work you're doing, how you're helping people and this tennis career. And you still made time to become an architect. I don't get it. How many things could you do? Yes. No, right? Some people have one talent. Some people have like two, three. How many others do you have? What What are we talking about next? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I have a few <laughs> All right. We'll do another introduction. We'll be back in just uh, three minutes, guys. Stay tuned. Thank you so much. Are you stuck in life? Not sure what's holding you back? Sabrina Perez, therapy and coaching, will help you through your healing journey. Visit www. SabrinaPerez.com to schedule a free consultation. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. Ah, uh, dashboard light problems? We can help. Our free fix finder service can read your check engine light, ABS light, and service indicator light and give you possible solutions verified by licensed technicians. You'll even get detailed results sent straight to your email so you have them when you need it most. It's the most complete free warning light report backed by technician verified fixes. The free fix finder service, only at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. More details at AutoZone.com. Introducing Venture X, Capital One's new travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? 
Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. We are back with architect John Riggio. Excited to have him here and like tennis pro amongst everything else. Learning more about him and his architectural work and of course his personal background. And uh, John, just to uh, confirm, how do we reach out to you? It's at www.johnriggio.com. That's www.johnriggio.com. And there you can find all my contact information for my architecture work. It shows descriptions of my work, portfolio, and contact information. You can call me, send me an email, and I will uh, call you and we can discuss your project. Awesome. So let's also continue down the line. I mean, what else do you want to share about this tennis career? So how do you make time for tennis now? What happened? And what made you stay, you know, go into this whole field instead of sticking with tennis? Yes. Um, well, with tennis, what was happening is um, this whole thing with the architect work and tennis was starting to come about as I started to get a little older. Uh, I think at the first year I was entering college. Then as the few years started going on, I was in the middle of college. Then I was graduating college. And I think my sponsors, they they were wondering about the whole thing with the architect work. They were concerned the same thing, that they was, it was going to interfere with tennis and um, that uh, it would take up a lot of my time, things like that. And, but I think the next thing was really to, to see if there were other things in sports to work on. And um, I think the one thing about sports is a lot of positions in sports you do need a college education the um the coaches and people like that they have a master's degree usually in sports uh education sports coaching it's very serious uh work very serious uh, similar to a profession like architect work where you have to go to equivalent of six years of college to get your first professional degree so a lot of the positions in sports, they did require education. And I think as far as tennis is concerned, the original college I was uh, admitted to go to was Clemson University in South Carolina. And um, this one, uh, I was going to go to that college just to play tennis. And uh, I talked to them. They were happy about it things like that. They knew I was sponsored by my coach and then I had all kinds of uh, brand sponsors like Prince Rocket and things like that in my pro shop. And uh, that experience going to college was why I didn't really have to attend the classes. The, the reason I would go to the Clemson University is really just to play the pro tennis there. They have a whole line of playing tennis that is really like after high school and as you get into um, the the sports and you would you would play the the uh, the tennis there and there was uh, some some students that I think uh, that did go to the Clemson those years I think there was a few of them I remember knowing some of them were older than me and uh, they liked Clemson and uh, it was really good. But what happened was um, I ended up not attending that college. There was some family problems where I, it was far away and I couldn't get there. And um, so I, I, since my playing was really good, I just stayed with just the, uh, the pro line of tennis. Didn't have to attend college to play tennis. And uh, so my college education was really just for the architect work. And so this this whole thing with playing tennis and doing architect work, there were some questions along the way. And I think, uh, like I was saying before, that the whole idea of people getting side jobs and everything were really to stop uh, a problem of the player potential not having any money, living very poor, or feeling homeless. 
And so I think that idea, of course, was the first priority. But then as you get into it, the other problems that were developing, one of them was since I was playing so excellent, had really big sponsors. I'll have to go through the whole thing about my sponsors again, but uh, my contract just, for instance, really started to move up. I think when I first was sponsored, my contract was officially $500,000. Slowly moved up to um, $5 million when I was playing at Sutton East in Manhattan. And then from there, the, the, at the end of Sutton East, my contract then was offered at $25 million. It was sold for $30 million. Then from there, it was bought over for $100 million by Perot. Uh, it was Perot. And then it was then bought over again for $100 million by uh, Mitsubishi Japan Sports. Then from there, they, then it did expand with some partners, putting some money in to $120 million. Now at the time, I think very few people had that kind of contract. I think even in the Long Island Newsday sports, they hadn't made listed at the time um, when my contract was bought by the Mitsubishi Japan. It was uh, $100 million. And I think the other top players were really Jose Canseco and Michael Jordan in basketball. Jose Canseco in baseball, Michael Jordan in basketball. And uh, there was also, at the time, uh, Mike Magic Johnson the basketball player, he also had a large contract at that level, too. And so those were the, the biggest. And I was the number one in tennis. The Another the other, another player who had a really big contract that was, um, wasn't as high as mine, but I think was really one of the largest, uh, was really Guillermo Villas. I don't know if you've heard of the tennis player, Guillermo Villas. So I think Guillermo Villas, uh, I don't know if everyone knows his name as a tennis player, but he was another player who was really like a number one tennis player, big money winner. And uh, I was a similar player like him, played in the same circuit of tournaments. And my contract, I really started to surpass his numbers and really went up to $100 million and, and that contract ended up as $120 million. So that I was able to surpass those numbers. The other top players that people see in the news, they were on the list, but their numbers weren't as high. So I think um, below my numbers were really Guillermo Vidas was the number uh, player below me in the in the rankings. So he was really, and he was an older player. So uh, I was able to surpass him, but he, I don't know if everyone knows his name, but he was really a number one winning player and playing at the top and and he was over there so i think when i was playing with all the top low pros the ones they see locally in the newspaper he was there too i don't know if they always showed him there but he was there too and he was another top winner so that's what was going on i think uh the every once in a while the sport pages they do show people's contracts and things like that some of that might be indication of who was playing really good who was a big winner things like that and now and so during those years that is what was happening with the contracts and uh and things like that and uh so there's a whole stories of different kinds of sport business like that and how you, you were playing and things like, and things like that and then your arrangement with how you would make money playing sports so that whole thing, as far as um, uh, the player getting money to live on, is really what started this whole trend in sports with players needing to have a side job, needing to go to college to get a, a profession, yeah. and things like that. And I think I think I've I've saw on television things like that. Um, different different kinds of sport players when you don't see them playing on the field they might be doing other things i think i was saying on one uh my podcast that uh in the work i do now some of the people that i work with that are on the same project they play pro sports not necessarily even in tennis maybe in baseball football they have played pro tennis Pro, pro sports and they work we do work in the same construction industry 
So I think the idea of people having a job, making money on the side, and playing pro sports is is it's obviously present. I see it around me, and you know we're working together. And um, so I know a number of pro sport players that are working in construction. I and mean, we're working in the same area, working the same kind of jobs. So that's something interesting. But I think like the question you always say is uh, like getting more involved with sports, other jobs within sports. I think they really didn't work all those things mm-hmm. out. I think one idea, like I was saying, is to try to keep people just doing, keeping themselves in sports over extended number of years was to add on maybe certain things like uh, that you need to uh, somehow stay in the sport or stay around the sport a certain number of years, not necessarily involving education or tests or something like that. I think I think what happened in sports with me is also when I was playing, I was playing so many matches in uh, a certain number of times of when I was playing is that it was equaling one year of tennis was equaling four years for compared to most tennis wow. professionals. So most pro tennis players, top pros. I was playing four times as many matches, and um, that is that. That's how my sponsors were running things, and uh, I was doing that playing a lot of matches in a short amount of time. So that is that's what was happening there, and then uh, I think going back to also that I was saying about those years um, when I wasn't playing, like I was around maybe thirty years old. And I wasn't, there was a quiet time. But what happened is my contract, some sponsors, including uh, Bernie Tapey, with an, who owned Adidas at the time, and then another sport, sporting goods uh, a company from Europe, they bought into my contract and they, they added on to my contract with the Mitsubishi Japan and went up to $120 million. Now, the only thing is the the new lead contact they uh had problems contacting me because at that time um i was a little older moving into different locations to live and doing all kinds of things you know moving in with my girlfriend things like that so that was a problem it was i didn't really have cell phones yet so there was some delays going on with things like that so, so from that time, that's why things were just a little quiet for a couple of years. And, um, and I think the one girlfriend I was just explaining about, she was entertain entertainer Cindy Shan that, that was a model that was right on television, everyone's television screens with, uh, you know, the L'Oreal commercials where they have long, beautiful hair. Yes. And she was the model. She was one of the models that they had there. With the long, beautiful hair commercial, so wow. that was really interesting. So I was meeting people who were really still on television and things like that, and um, so that was really interesting at that time. And uh, but the tennis took a, a few years, and um, it slowly started to come back. And uh, I'm more involved with tennis now, and it's, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, instead of um, Instead of just forgetting about the tennis, I was able to really remember a lot of the tennis, and I'm happy to talk about it. I think a lot of people are interested about it, and and that was good. I think also, um, yeah, I was watching YouTube. I think with the whole thing with YouTube was getting a lot of new people in there, and I was watching a pro tennis player story of how he played ITF. Mm And his story of going around the country, traveling around and signing autographs, winning matches and things like that, really started to um, stimulate my mind that I could really talk about my tennis career. I could just say my own everyday story. Uh, And uh, just remembering back, I think my sponsors and my lawyers, they they did encourage me to to go ahead with you know talking about my tennis career and things like that just on my own personal basis and uh so it's so i'm happy to to tell everyone about my stories it's pretty good wow awesome what a career john reggio uh, remind us again how we can contact you 
yes, the easiest way to contact me is to go to my webpage at www.johngeo.com. I have my contact information here. My architect office is at that webpage and it has uh, my work for my professional work, my architect work in the New York City, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area. And I can help you at any state. And uh, I have years of experience with a lot of projects, a lot of very nice projects. And um, then as far as the, the tennis, I do have a Facebook page. It's called uh, John Reggio Pro Tennis Player. And you can go there and uh, there's links on there. I have a link showing some list of matches, description of my career, my playing and things like that. And uh, so it is pretty good. Wow, I'm so fascinated. This is a whole other facet of you I didn't know about yet. I knew you as the architect, not the pro tennis player. How often do you play now? Now I've got it where I'm having my own tennis meetup. Wow. And it's been meeting three days a week mm-hmm. on uh, Fridays, Sundays, and Wednesdays. And this has been going on for a number of years now. I've had it back playing now. I think it's more than seven years now. And I've continued to play tennis. I'm back in playing tennis, been teaching some tennis. And uh, it's pretty good. Amazing. We still have uh, five minutes left. I'm not cutting you short. I just like uh, <laughs> getting to know you. This is amazing. Really. Yes, and the meetup is very easy to go to. You just go to meetup.com and look up Central New Jersey Tennis. Yeah. I have 1,400 uh, people on the meetup. And you just RSVP and you just play uh, locally over here in Central New Jersey. I also had the, uh, in the winter, I had the tennis bubble where we were playing over in Staten Island, right over the bridge over here. And uh, that was a very nice location too. So in the summer times, we're playing outdoors and we have three different locations here. One's in uh, uh, Railway, one's in um, Edison, New Jersey. And one is in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. So we play in three different locations. So we have a variety of locations to play at, different kind of courts and things like that. And uh, and that's what I've been doing. So that is working pretty good. Amazing. And, but for the tennis meetup, do you have to have experience or can anyone show up? <laughs> yeah, anyone can show up. Really? Yeah, usually on Wednesday, I have the lessons for anyone. Who the beginners. Beginner. <laughs> yes. When I was younger, I used to teach the people who were really already established pros, who were really trying to learn how to win more matches. Uh, these days, I, uh, Wednesdays, I've been teaching people who really don't have any experience playing tennis. They, they're new to the game, might not even have a tennis racket. So they, a lot of times I have to tell them to go to the store, buy a tennis racket, get yeah. some tennis balls, come down, and uh, teach them the basics of tennis. Wow. Amazing, amazing. And what about at any age? What is the tennis meetup? What ages are, you know, suggested? Well, on the meetup.com, you have to be at least 18 years old. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you, uh, obviously, as starting young, you would encourage people to start young with their kids. Yes. Originally, I did learn tennis by playing with my parents, my father, my mother. My father's a pretty good tennis player, and he started me off teaching me some tennis. We started off with these old wood rackets, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how I started learning. And I, I think when I was even younger at that time, I was breaking those wood rackets too. I was hitting the ball and I was breaking the the wood rackets that we had. And uh, I think um, my father in particular could tell that same type of thing that I could become a pro tennis player because he had some experience, took some tennis lessons. And uh, he was certified four and a half player, so he, he knew about the basics of tennis, and uh, he still felt the same thing that I could become a pro tennis player. Wow, fascinating. Okay, got to ask, for someone who's suffering with carpal tunnel arthritis and tendonitis now from working using my hands, what about someone who plays tennis? Do you have any ailments from that? And plus, you, you as an architect, though, you're hands-on. Do you have any ailments from the sport or from... No, I think over the years I did have some small injuries, but I, I didn't really get seriously hurt playing tennis. I was lucky, and all my injuries did heal pretty good. I think um, I think when I'm older, I think a lot of people that went to the weight gym 
I think the weight gym doesn't really help your tendons gain too much. If you get into too heavy weights, you can have a problem of pulling your tendons and things like that. So like doing weights where you're pulling your tendons and things, you don't want to do that. It's going to hurt your tennis game. You want to um, go with a, a set of exercises. You can use some weights, but they uh, it's, slightly, it's slightly different. You don't want to pull your tendons and things like that. I think that's what I was, I was always explaining uh, to people older. After they, they play, uh, they go to the weight gym a lot, and then, then you go to play tennis. You find yourself, you, you're using your muscles wrong. You're trying to, like, push the ball. You can't push the ball. You have to really, really swing your racket around to really hit the ball correctly. And uh, I think a lot of people go through that when they're older because everyone goes through the years of working out in the weight gym. And um, But as far as the tennis is good, you don't want to pull your tendons or anything using heavy weights, things like that. It's, they, they might not heal. And then you have a problem that your, your racket is not so stable, things like that. You also want to make sure your, your joints are in the sockets. You do the all kinds of tennis exercises to push the joints in your sockets. And uh, that can get in the game and, and, and you play better like that. So that is one thing I always teach people who are just learning all those different things. And... Um, uh, it's been working pretty good, and the the exercises, uh, the basic exercises, I teach them what's best for tennis and things like that, and uh, so that's what's usually been happening. Awesome. Well, thank you. Pleasure having you here. One more time, remind us of the other website too. It's John Riggio Pro Tennis Player. Tennis Player. Okay, good. Because I don't have that in my notes. That's I on Facebook. No, you is... find me on Facebook with our web page. Perfect. That's only a Facebook web page. Oh, my goodness. All right. And then go to the YouTube channel. Go to uh, johnreggio.com to learn more about his architectural side. And uh, thank you for today. Awesome. Really excited. You're welcome. To, didn't know you were this talented. Not yes, that you're not with you're architecture, you. but this is fascinating. Good for you. Wow. And is there anything else that's next for you? <laughs> what else are you going to unveil to me next time? I'm also in the... Oh, yes. I'll have excellent stories. I've been remembering new ones, too. And uh, sort of have a lot of interesting stories to talk about. Feel free. I mean, I don't know your situation with your work computer there, but if you want to share images on your screen as we talk about this, you you can. Whether it's architectural design, you in the tennis world, you could share your screen and show us some things on the computer itself. Just a heads up. Okay. Yes, sure, I can do that. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, have a fantastic day. And to all of our listeners, stay tuned. More of the show is on the way. John Riggio, pro tennis player extraordinaire and architect, does it all. Bye. (laughs) Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States including yours, but they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.